I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz, and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Yo, check out the award-winning docuseries Elementary Genocide. This docuseries provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. This docuseries features Dr. Umar Johnson, Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, Killer Mike, David Banner, Professor James Small, Kaba Kamene, and so many other people. Check out Elementary Genocide, the school to prison pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, and the latest installment. Elementary Genocide 3, The Academic Holocaust. It's all available now at elementarygenocide.com. Tune in for the drop. I am Dr. Kira Taylor, and when I'm tired of listening to fake news, I will listen to some real news, and I will check into the Necessary Blackness podcast with my friend Raheem Shabazz. Raheem Shabazz is one of my guys from way back, and you're now listening to his show, Necessary Blackness Podcast. Stay tuned. This is a cool of Cultivated Roots Media, and I choose to tune in to Necessary Blackness because staying connected to my blackness is very necessary. Peace and power, black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Ear Elf. Ear Elf is a company out of Atlanta that sells high fidelity earplugs. The company is involved in social justice work and gives back 30% of its monthly earning to inner city arts. Make sure you check them out at earelf.com and that's E-A-R-E-L-F dot com. Ear Elf offers excellent hearing protection and is used by musicians, podcasters, and everyone else that's trying to protect their hearing. Peace and Black Power family, this is your host Raheem Shabazz and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast and today we have a special guest in the building. We have my man TJ and TJ is a global business leader and industrialist. TJ revolutionized the low riding auto industry with nearly three decades of business innovation. As the former CEO, Lofton found three successful global businesses, including Express Gold Plating, Compton Wire Wheels, and Molded Suspension. 
Thomas is a manufacturer, distributor, and exclusive dealer of dozens of auto parts and accessories. He then franchised his business, Express Gold Plating, and played a pivotal role in creating a new multi-billion dollar industry during that time. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome TJ Lofton. How are you doing, my brother? I'm good, good brother. How you doing? I am excellent. I'm here. And I'm excited because one thing that I know and two things for certain is that black people, we have to rise above the occasion and we have to become our own boss and we can't continue to look to our open enemy to extend us that olive leaf, to extend us a hand. Marcus Garvey said, any race of people that look to another race of people to financially assist them is doomed. And we don't want to be doomed, black people. So we ain't going to waste no time. We're going to get right into it. My man TJ is in town, and he is doing the monetization gentrification tour. So, brother, real quickly, for those that don't know, let me know and let others know what this tour is about and everything it entails. I know you just recently finished speaking at Tassili's last night. And from what I'm told, it was a monumental moment. So, brother, please let us know what's going on. Well, after doing all those years in the low-riding industry of helping my brothers with this, with the real estate purchases, the, the buying of land so that we could put all our low-riders and all those junk classic cars that we were buying, all those good cars, I found myself for the last couple of decades dealing with all types of real estate. So over the years, I found out I was a coach without even knowing I was a coach, meaning I was helping all our people with real estate transactions. So I realized that more than just the guys in the lowrider industry needed that help. All of our regular people needed that help with their homes and everything. And I found out I was doing things that they wasn't doing. You know, we got people losing their businesses, closing down their shops. All because of little simple stuff that I knew the answers to, you know? Okay. So it's like, every, why you you lost your beauty salon, you lost your barbershop, you move your, your facility, or you you rent something that you can't afford, you know? But I know how all that works, so that's why I started coaching people and giving these the monetizing gentrification tour, because too many people being forced to move when they shouldn't have to. Monetizing gentrification, right? When people hear the term gentrification, you know, it's not like it's a misnomer, but there's a bad connotation that's labeled with that. Now, you telling us, black folks, you can monetize gentrification. What is the process and the step of that? Like, for example, when our houses, we pay a hundred grand for a house, for, hypothetically speaking. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, other folks come in and say, hey, we give you $600,000 to get out. Well, guess what? You come back by there two years later, the house worth a million and a half. Mm. So why sell it? Or they didn't tore down the house and put up a strip mall or four, I mean a fourplex apartment building or something like that. It's like, let's make the money ourselves. You know, so you got all of these people moving into Atlanta. For example, I come out here to Atlanta, I see y'all got a lot of construction going on. Absolutely. And people saying, man, we don't have this, we don't have that. Let's open these businesses up. Instead of complaining about it, that's, yeah. they don't have a barbershop on that end of town. I'm, that's too far out. Ain't no barbershop. Well, let's be the first black-owned barbershop over there. Let's be the first black-owned beauty salon. Let's be the first mini-market. 
They ain't got one in that community. They got a thousand houses over there, and they don't have a mini market. They don't have a little donut shop or whatever it is that we buy, a little spot to get coffee before these cats go to work in the morning. Let's take that money and go invest in those type of businesses in those areas, these new up-and-coming areas that they're building. Now, I definitely agree with you because I know that we as a race of people, not only do we have to control the economics of our community, but we have to control the infrastructure and the land and the property. So I know when you gave the scenario of you buy the house for 100000 someone comes and buy you out for 600000 most people would think that, okay, the ROI, return on investment, is five times. Mm-hmm. Why not take that money? Mm-hmm. When in the long run, Right. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not a marathon. It's a race. We have to um, hold on to this property because the value always go up. Even if it go down, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go back up like anything else. So moving right along, right? I noticed um, when I was reading the back of this, this is uh, telling people about the event. And it said... And it states that you help individuals with joint ventures and interest-based negotiation skills, right? Real quickly, what is the number one thing an individual should learn when he's applying his negotiation or her negotiation skills? You got to not be scared to uh, decrease the price. You know, so that means you got to go in there and research. You got to go in there and research the person. What's what's going on? So when I'm when I'm looking at a piece of property... And they go in there and they say, hey, man, I want $800,000 for that house. I'm not just going to say, okay, yeah, I got that. Let me buy that. I'm going to look around the house. I want to know how long this house has been for sale. Because if they tell me this house has been for sale for nine months, then that tells me that nobody really wants the house. So that means I'm going to decrease the price. Well, I'm willing to offer you four, five hundred thousand. But now I'm going to take it even further. I want to know how much you owe on the house. Well, if you only owe 100000 and you you go you bought the house during a good time back in the 80s. Now all of a sudden you got all this equity and it's been on the market for eight or nine months. And I know you owe a hundred. I might offer you two hundred. Mm. You see what I'm saying? That's the art of negotiation right there. You got to be a fool to just walk in there and just pay somebody right out. And that's that leads me to my next question. What does a land development expert entail? A land development expert is a person that who, who can go out and say, you know what, this would be a good place to put a restaurant. This would be a great place to put some, uh, some, some apartment buildings. This would be a great place to put a strip mall so we can put some different businesses in there. So I know how to go out there, find these locations, what's going to be up and coming, what's an up and coming, fast growing area, and figure out what's the best use of that land and then determine okay, this will be a good spot to put a strip mall with 10 different stores in there. And then I turn around and make it all happen and put the businesses, put the building there and bring in the businesses. So that's a a land developer. McDonald's and Walmart have a lot of land developers on their team scouring the country trying to figure out where can we put a new location at. Mm. Absolutely. They just put one in the West End area, a Chick-fil-A, and I couldn't understand for the life of me how the community allowed that to happen right. when we have several different black-owned restaurants, legendary restaurants that was there from the civil rights era that Martin Luther King used to 
you know, dining, and um, now they got to compete with uh, a Chick Fil A. But like you said, they have uh, land development experts that went in and said, you know what, this is a thriving community, and let's put this here. And there was no pushback from the community. I I, I don't understand it, and that's why. Once again, we got to have community control. Having community control is controlling the politicians that oversee your community. A lot of us are more prone to vote in the presidential election, but all politics are local. The president had no decision on who was going to open up that store in that area. It was local politicians that nine times out of ten was handkerchief head Negroes that was gonna sell the business out. But anyway, we're gonna get back along. I wanna um because I jumped right into the conversation and I know a lot of my listeners might not be familiar with you, right? I'm and I know your story and your story is an inspirational story, right? Could you take us back to your humble beginning and tell us how you got into a low riding and what led to you to getting into the real estate business? I got into low riding growing up in Compton. I grew up in Compton, California. That's the low riding capital of the world. That's where all low riders began. That I used to think that everybody had a low rider, but then I found out that it was just the cats in Compton, LA, and Watts. Mm-hmm. So that made up about hypothetically speaking, three thousand three thousand low riders. I I quickly realized it was just us, and that's when I started my mission to sell lowriders all around the world. But I had some OGs that that worked on lowriders, a guy named Gary May, a guy named Homer Walters, and I turned around and I learned from them. And Gary May told me one day, he said, if you ever learn how to, if you keep working on these cars and learn how to build these lowriders, you will never, ever be broke. You'll always live where you want to live, how you want to live, and be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And most people with a job can't do that. Absolutely. So that's how I got into the lowrider business. Most of my partners worked out of their garages or in their backyard. So you know that next generation is always supposed to do it bigger and better, right? So I was the one that came in and said, you know what? I want to go outside of I want to go outside of the box and I'm gonna get on the main street because so let me go on to them and meet them on the main street somewhere. So I opened up a shop on the main street in Gardena, California, and then I went back to the community and started telling all my homeboys, hey, you should open up a shop too on the main street. Here goes the blueprint. Get you this thing called a business license. We'll get you some garage insurance, you know what I'm saying, in case somebody break in your spot. I just solved all the problems and fixed it. And next thing you know, they made me like the M-Hotep of lowriding to where I'm the one that everybody came to that needed when you had a question about your business, you came to me and I fixed everything. You heard that right here first on Necessary Blackness Podcast Family. And one of the profound things that the brother said, the takeaway, was that he went back and he helped brothers, told them how to open up their own shops. And that is something that you seldom see those that make it come back and help those that are in the community. And that's what we have to do. Our great grandmaster teacher, Marcus Garvey, said we are a race that's cursed by petty differences. We shouldn't have no differences. We should not feel like we're in competition with the next brother. And that's how we move the race forward. We got to help somebody because guess what? We ain't going to be doing business forever. There's somebody coming behind us and we got to keep the tradition going and the money in the community. Now, speaking on money, I want to ask you a question. There are going to be a lot of people that listen to this interview 
And the first thing they're going to say is, man, buy land, buy property. That's out of my budget. That costs a lot of money. What do you say to those people? Because, you know, it takes money to make money, but a lot of times you don't have to have the money to even start. And then it might not even be a significant amount that people perceive. It might be lower than you perceive. It might be the amount that you spend daily on weave. It might be the amount that you spend daily a year on Air Jordans. So speak to those people that feel like they don't have enough money to start a business. First of all, I like to say it does not take money to make money. It takes knowing a business owner to make money. So if I turn around and came to you and say, Raheem, brother, if I if I can book you all these people, you know, to come on your show and they want to do commercials and all of that stuff, can I get a percentage off of that? Absolutely. So so that ain't gonna cost me nothing but nothing. All I gotta do is go do all the networking and everything, all the stuff that you may not have time to do. If I say, Raheem, if I can go book you some speaking engagements all over the country, can I get a percentage off of that? Absolutely. So that's you you are a business owner, so I'm gonna help you grow your business by going back into my network. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And it ain't gonna cost me a dime. Okay. So again, it does not take money to make money. It takes knowing a business owner, most likely a black business owner, to make money. I appreciate you, brother. And our last closing words, is there anything that I didn't ask you, I should have recalled to ask you, or anything you want to put out there in your last closing words? And also, when you do that, after that, please let everybody know where they can find you at on social media. And I see you have several upcoming tour dates. Let them know about the tour dates as well. Okay, if you guys need some help and want me to help you grow your business, you want me to help you start a business, I offer training services. I have a training course, eight hours. I do coaching uh, where I can help you. You can call me and we can reach out. I do Skype interviews, FaceTime, whatever it takes to get this ball rolling. We do not have, you do not have to create a will because I'm here to help you grow your business and become successful or start a business. I have my tour, the February dates for 2018 of the Monetizing Gentrification Tour is going to be, uh, I'll be at uh, the WeWork Center tomorrow morning in Atlanta, Georgia at uh, 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And then I'm back off to California. Then I'll be in uh, Los Angeles and Oakland. But I can be reached at air code 310-619-3954. All for consultations, coaching, and trainings. I also have a website. Everything's under my name, Thomas T.J. Lofton, L-O-F-T-I-N. That's uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Don't just go on there and look. Click, like, share, follow, whatever it takes, subscribe, share it to your friends, let everybody know I exist because we got a situation going on and it takes us to work together like me and Ryan is doing, working together, y'all. I appreciate you, good brother. Absolutely. Peace and power, black family. This is Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I am your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we just heard from the good brother TJ. Make sure y'all go out, support that man, black family. Make sure. You go like that page. Make sure you go share them articles. Peace and black power, family. I'm out.